Kevin Seifert, take me back to the first Monday night football game of the year on ESPN, Bills at Jets. Talk me through what you saw unfold. Well, it's funny. I was actually at my son's uh, seventh grade football practice with plans to get home and, and watch the game from the start on DVR and catch up that way. And there were a few other dads watching the game on their phones live, and I heard them all scream, and I ran over there and, and watched what <laughs> I think probably turned out to be the early story of the season with Aaron Rodgers getting injured on the fourth play. Aaron Rodgers takes the snap, drops back, looks over the middle, under pressure, and he will be set back to the 32-yard line by Leonard Floyd. And Aaron Rodgers gets up with a limp. Right now doesn't look 100% right sitting down in the field. He's hurt. So the dads filled you in on this, but when did you actually recognize that the most significant story of the season possibly would have a secondary story developing there also. Yeah, once I saw the video of the play and knowing where it happened at MetLife Stadium where there has been a ton of discussion about the artificial turf there, some kind of lower extremity injury. Looked like he might have got that left ankle twisted as he went down. When Floyd dragged him down, he toe-picked a bit. Now gingerly walking off the field. Watching that happen, seeing where it happened, how it happened, I said, this is going to be a, a story that blows up not only the impact of losing Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, but also, once again, the impact of artificial turf on NFL player health. When the most talked about player in the NFL sees his season end after only four plays, the natural reaction of fans everywhere is, how could this happen? And sure, people pointed to the usual things. Aaron Rodgers' age, the Jets' bad offensive line, or some kind of curse that continues to haunt this Jets team. But many players around the league suggested a different culprit, one they've long complained about to little avail. Their theory? The turf was to blame. So today, we survey the field, literally, as we try to decode what the evidence actually reveals and separate fact from fiction inside the NFL turf debate. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Tuesday, October 17th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Kevin Seifert, 
You've been the NFL turf debate beat reporter of sorts for a while now. On the platform formerly known as Twitter, you described the piece you and our ESPN colleagues worked on about this topic as, quote, a dispassionate fact-based layer to the NFL's grass turf debate, end quote. So what would you say is the simplest way of explaining this debate? The simplest way of explaining this debate is that everyone would choose grass if that was a practical choice. The debate is, where is it practical? Where is it possible? Where is it impossible? And where would it just take a whole bunch of money? The arrangements that these teams have to make to play in their stadiums are different. You know, we have different weather conditions. We have some stadiums like Lambeau Field that only um, host Packers games and that's it. We have other stadiums that like MetLife and U.S. Bank in Minnesota, Ford Field in Detroit that host over 200 events a year. And so they have different needs. Grass in those stadiums is much more difficult and potentially impossible from a practical sense. There's not many people who would argue that turf is better or safer or preferable. Everyone agrees grass is better in a vacuum, but that vacuum does not exist. So how far back does this debate go? The concept of AstroTurf was in the 1970s, right back in Houston. But the turf the league uses now is quite different, right? Yes. I mean, the funny thing is that the that AstroTurf that, that started at the Houston Astrodome, they tried to grow grass there originally when they had the eighth wonder of the world, and the grass obviously didn't grow. So they created AstroTurf. If you think of a Brillo pad, if anyone's ever cleaned with a Brillo pad and <laughs> painted it green, that's basically what AstroTurf was. And you can only imagine what playing a football game would feel like with that layered on top of cement. So that's where the history of this thing starts. They made some pretty significant improvements with what's called the infill type of turf that we see variations of now. A little softer, a little less likely to essentially cause rug burn, built to look like grass blades with some sort of infill. Usually it was like crushed up rubber pellets that keep it from getting matted down quite as bad and, and make it a little bit softer on impact. But I think people's minds, whether you're players or fans or coaches or whoever, started with a very negative, negative feelings about artificial turf uh, going all the way back to the 70s, and that really hasn't changed. Can you talk to me a little bit more about the different variations of the turf we see today in NFL stadiums? Yeah, um, from an artificial turf perspective, there's, there's several different kinds. There's monofilament synthetic turf, which is basically turf that's built to, to sort of, looks like it's stand up straight. And there's another kind called slit film turf, which is more in the shape of like a honeycomb. And then there's a hybrid version of those as well. What the NFL and the NFLPA have collectively found is that the injury rate is higher, a little bit higher on the slit film turf. And so that's why that essentially has risen to the level where it's considered more likely to cause injuries. And there have been more than a few stadiums that have replaced it as a result. I did want to talk to you about what is considered a turf injury. Just because it happens on turf, is it a turf injury? When you consider the Aaron Rodgers injury, when you saw it, when we all saw it, did you say to yourself, is that a turf injury? Or did you say to yourself, this is an injury that happened on turf that will now cause debate? Yeah, the way the NFL and the NFLPA classify injuries that could potentially be attributed to the playing surface as those that are non-contact and lower extremity. So somebody's running 
and they fall. Like Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl a couple years ago was running on turf, fell, and it turns out he had torn his ACL. If he had been doing the exact same thing on turf and had been tackled, that would be more difficult, if not impossible, to attribute it to the turf. But when you're not touched, you say, okay, well, that potentially could be part of it. So that's how they sort of classify these injury rates as the, only the ones that had no contact and were to the lower extremities. After Aaron Rodgers' injury on Monday Night Football, NFLPA Executive Director Lloyd Howell called on owners to convert all 30 stadiums to grass. And since then, we've already seen a number of NFL players sidelines by injuries occurring on turf fields. A couple weeks ago, we saw Bills linebacker Matt Milano suffer a fractured leg and was ruled out for the rest of the season after he was injured playing on Tottenham Hotspur Stadium's turf in London. Bills cornerback Teron Johnson placed the blame squarely on the turf. That turf is terrible. I really feel like that. I'd rather play on grass. I'm sure 90 to 100% of the players in the NFL would rather play on grass. So I don't know why we're playing on stuff like that. There was injuries on the field today, some really, really bad. So I just feel like the turf has something to do with it. It's also worth noting that Titans QB Ryan Tannehill was also carted off that same field last Sunday after injuring his ankle. And we saw Jets wide receiver Garrett Wilson leave his game early on Sunday after a lower leg injury. He called the field at MetLife Stadium garbage. That, of course, being the same field that Aaron Rodgers was injured on. So as you and the reporting team reached out to other players directly, what did they tell you? How much of their sentiments align with these others? Yeah, I mean, as we talked to players, we probably talked to players in almost every NFL market about this. Um, in some cases, they were already going to talk about it, but... They all overwhelmingly say, uh, well, we talked about being the case in the vacuum, that they would like to play on grass. The numbers say that grass is healthier for the players, and so I want to play on the best surface that will keep me healthy. I don't think I've ever heard of any players that are adamantly, you know, supporting artificial turf. We need to get rid of turf altogether. And I don't want to hear it like it's an indoor stadium. They make UV lights. You can go grass inside. I talked to Harrison Phillips, who's a defensive tackle for the Vikings, and he's mm -hmm. on the NFLPA's health and safety board. And he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm a practical person. I realize that we have to be in the world of reason, but, you know, the NFL can move mountains when it wants to, was the way he put it. Uh, we've seen that in the past, whether it was the COVID uh, approach they took to not to miss any games or, or what have you. And so, um, I think whether it's just blanket saying we want grass everywhere or it's players like Harrison Phillips say, let's exhaust every opportunity we have, that's the range that you'll hear from players. On the one end, just do it. We want grass no matter what. And on the other end, we want grass in every possible situation. We want to exhaust every option for having grass before we ever consider an artificial turf to be preferable. And it's not just the data, which we will get to, but the players are saying they just naturally feel different on the two different, right, grass versus turf. Yeah, and that was uh, something we reported on a lot, and, and it's something that's hard to quantify, and the players acknowledge that, but it probably makes sense intuitively. If you play a three-hour football game on grass and you play a three-hour football game on artificial turf, it's very likely you're going to be more sore, your muscles are going to feel more strained. Uh, after playing on artificial turf, you're just going to feel like you need to be in the ice tub even more quickly and for a longer period of time. And, and that's a universal reaction from all players and even coaches, you know, who talk about standing on the sidelines for three hours. You know, you feel that in your back, you feel that in your legs <laughs> as you get older. And, and we're all, we all have had that experience at one time or another. And so you have the data on the one side, but you also have this very subjective, but very universal and strongly held view by players that 
it just feels worse to play a game on, on the turf as opposed to grass. Now, I know you reported for ESPN.com that the league has tried to run tests on the field themselves to find hard evidence that backs up that anecdotal evidence. They haven't yet been able to find anything conclusive. But what is the league actually saying in response to all these complaints from players? You know, the NFL as a health and safety department, and they have pointed to the data that is jointly collected from the, with the NFL and the NFLPA to show that the injury rates of those lower extremity non-contact injuries and on turf and grass have gotten closer. There's still a higher rate overall on turf than grass, but those rates have gotten closer. And in 2021, they were basically statistically insignificant. And in 2022, it went back to sort of the previous, not too far away, but definitely higher for, for turf. And so the NFL sort of approach to it is, the issue here is, is not surfaces as much as finding ways in a broader sense of lowering injury level, injury rates of all kinds on all surfaces everywhere. And they kind of point to the different circumstances that exist in every market and say, like, it can't, we can't have a one-size-fits-all policy. Grass is better everywhere because in some cases that, that actually would not be the case. I mean, the, the NFL would even point out that there's some grass fields that have higher injury rates of those lower extremity non-contact injuries than some artificial turf fields, uh, especially the slit film ones. And so that has prompted them to encourage teams to switch actually from grass to turf uh, as a result. The 32 NFL teams that occupy the 30 stadiums all have to come up with the best case scenario for what works in their stadium. And that if they try to have a blanket statement or a blanket policy that grass is preferable everywhere, then that will be belied not only by the practicality in their particular, some particular stadiums, but also by data as well. And we just had an example of that with the Tennessee Titans, did we not? Right. So the Tennessee Titans had a grass field at Nissan Stadium for a long time. And if you ever watched a Titans game, you would see that the grass was coming up and you'd see players slipping all the time. And you'd see some parts of the field would look really good and some would look really torn up. And they were never able to maintain it on an NFL caliber level. And in talking to some people in Tennessee, they say that that's actually the case for the yards at their homes as well. It's in a weird uh, weather transition, weather area where Growing grass is a little bit more difficult than in some other places, even though they're in a southern climate. And so their stadium, that grass field, is one of the ones that had a higher injury rate for non-contact lower extremity injuries. And so with that, the NFL gave that data to the Titans and to the people and to the government entities that own the stadium. And they used that data to guide them to actually shift from grass this past offseason to artificial turf. It's not going to lead to a huge reduction in injuries, but if you're unable to grow grass, then artificial turf might actually, and in some cases is, the preferable health and safety option. Okay, Kevin, after the break, where this debate goes from here. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Kevin, I'll give you an example here that is mentioned in the story written on ESPN is the Green Bay Packers. It's a team that the NFLPA constantly brings up. If you can grow grass successfully in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you should be able to do it anywhere. So talk to me about what they do in Green Bay and at what cost. Yeah, I mean, Green Green Bay has what's called a hybrid grass field. So it's essentially it, it's natural grass that's reinforced by synthetic stitching to sort of help maintain it through tough weather or tough use and make it less likely to come up in clumps and that sort of thing. Lambeau Field is owned by the Packers. There's no owner to satisfy in terms of revenues. And there's a very loyal uh, fan base that wants that field to be in perfect shape for only the Packers. And so that stadium exists to host Packers preseason games, regular season games, postseason games, and that's it. Probably about two dozen events the entire year. And if there's a concert, it's only once a year, and it's almost always scheduled in the May-June time period where there would be plenty of time to get the grass back to where it is. And if you are there for a game, you can, after the game, you see them roll the UV lights onto the field to give it extra sunlight because Green Bay is so far north that otherwise the grass wouldn't get enough sun. And so they, then they spend millions of dollars, you know, it's, it's two or three million dollars a year to to have a grass field and to maintain it. But that's the price that the Packers pay and the local Green Bay citizens are willing to accept in order to make that work. Well, what about those stadiums that do have to have a lot more events? How feasible is it and at what cost would it take to get grass fields on those stadiums? Yeah, you're talking about at least doubling, uh, maybe tripling the amount of money that they're paying to install artificial turf and maintain it to be able to have grass as well. Uh, There's two NFL stadiums that have grass that grow outside in Arizona and, and Las Vegas, and then they they just move it in on trays for the NFL games. But, you know, you're talking about probably $3 million or more from what the people that we talk to in order to do that. And so whether that's it's just simply a matter of money or whether that would even be practical, you know, that was something that they tried in Houston to, to bring in a grass field to Energy Stadium there. And what they found is that the seams in between the trays were harder for them to maintain. And so players were getting hurt on the seams. Jadavian Clowney had a knee injury that he blamed on 
the seams between the grass that was brought in on trays. And so they eventually switched over to artificial turf. The, I, and I asked people, you know, it just take money out of the question. Let's say it's a blank check. There's never a blank check in reality, but let's say it was. Could you do this? And we never got a definitive, yes, you could have grass, good grass in every NFL stadium, including the domes and including the winter climates, if money was not an object. I think there's still, it would still be experimental at, at, at the very least. Well, aren't we about to get an experimental look at that exactly with the World Cup coming in and FIFA essentially saying, hey, we will not let our players, our world-class players, play on a turf field? Absolutely. When the, when the World Cup comes to North America in 2026, every stadium that hosts a game will be required to have hybrid grass, the kind that we talked about at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And there's more than half a dozen NFL stadiums, at least right now, that have artificial turf that will have to take that out and put grass in over top of it. There's some differences, some fundamental differences between soccer, World Cup soccer, and an NFL season, including the duration. When you're talking about a one-month tournament of World Cup action versus a five-month NFL season, and you're talking about soccer players running on a field versus NFL-sized players running on it and falling on it, and so there's a different level of wear and tear they go into it, But the larger idea of using hybrid grass and seeing how that works even over a month of World Cup play, I think will be informative to both the NFL and the NFLPA. And and talking to J.C. Treader from the NFLPA, he told us that basically the only people who are not in full agreement that, that grass is the way to go are the turf manufacturers for obvious reasons and the NFL. And everybody else is in agreement. So, and that would, in his mind, include the World Cup. Now, if you get through that month of the World Cup and everything goes great, I think then the next question is, how can this apply to at least some of the NFL stadiums that have turf now? But even then, I think there'll be at least some markets that will judge artificial turf to be the best for them. And that's where the debate will continue to be. In which places is it truly impossible and which places is it just not preferable to the operators? So we, of course, can't wait until the 2026 World Cup to make the next step on this. So where does this debate move forward? What might happen next? Yeah, I think what you're going to continue to see, first of all, is the replacement of the slit film turf. Three stadiums uh, did that in this past offseason. At least two more, um, including in Minnesota, are scheduled to do that after this particular season ahead of 2024. So you'll continue to see sort of micro decisions and small movements towards turf technology that has at least supported by data to be a little bit less injurious than some of the, the older models. And then, frankly, you'll continue to see every time I think there's an injury on turf, whether it's related to contact or not, uh, you're going to hear this debate come up, and, and I don't think it's going away. There's a level of tension between the NFL and the NFLPA that's always going to exist, and this is a very natural breeding ground for it. Uh, player safety, something that everybody can see in front of them, can see the injuries, can tell everybody can see what surface it is. I expect this, this debate to continue until people are tired of talking about it, which will probably be never. It sounds like in summation, Kevin, that there aren't any really easy answers here. So maybe there won't be any long-term answers at all. 
Yeah, when we were reporting the story, the more questions we asked, the more people we need, we realized we need to talk to, and the more disconnected these issues are. Because these stadiums are all operated independently and under different circumstances, it makes it hard to imagine that there's going to be sort of a unified migration of philosophy amongst all 32 teams. But I do think that 10 years ago, we probably never would have talked about hybrid grass being put on artificial turf fields for World Cup games. And that's going to happen. And that could spur some ideas and that could spur some thought. And and maybe it will have an effect on the outlying uh, parts of this debate. But in terms of creating a even a long-term trend towards all grass, if that is going to happen, it's going to be the result of something that we're not particularly aware of yet. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. You can find ESPN's full report on the state of the NFL's turf debate at the link in today's episode description. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.